0: Welcome to the sourcing hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and art of procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the sourcing hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is John Hansen. John is one of my oldest friends and my co-author for the book, Procurement at a Crossroads. It would be hard to find anybody who has covered the procurement space more thoroughly and honestly than John has. So, hi, John. It is such a pleasure to welcome you to the Sourcing Hero podcast.
1: Well, you know, Kelly, it's 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 great to be sharing these virtual airwaves with you. And and by the way, why why didn't they ever turn our book into a movie? I'll never understand that.
0: You know, I had, they Brad, just I had
1: Brad Pitt lined up for us, for me. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was
0: just going to say they couldn't find two people good looking and charismatic enough to play us on the big screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, no, it's it's great to talk with you. It, it, it's it's hard to believe so many years have gone by since we first met and. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of miles, a lot of things have happened.
0: A lot of miles. And in fact, people may or may not know. So you're either going to get thank yous or complaints. I only ever started podcasting because you told me I had to. So you can get in touch. John will share at the end of the conversation how he wants to receive his, his complaints and compliments. Uh, but you've been a leading content creator in the procurement space before the idea of a content creator or an influencer was anything. So talk a little bit about the professional journey that brings you to this moment.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. You you start, and I guess I would say this, I started on the uh, practitioner side and evolved into a provider side, built up a software company, as you know, and and, and ultimately sold it during the dot-com heyday. It was one of the first uh, algorithm-driven web-based procurement uh, Tools for the Department of National Defense that was later picked up by the New York City Transit Authority. And then once I sold that, where do I go from here? And the starting point was the Procurement Insights blog, which somebody said, look, you're writing so many different articles for so different public, have Mm -hmm. it all in one place. Let it be a buffet. And if people want to... use some of it, uh, then then let them do that. And and that's how it all really started, very humbly uh, w- with a blog and, and you're wondering, gee, is somebody going to ever read this? And of course, uh, then a couple of years later when uh, Blog Talk Radio emerged on the scene, I said, you know what? It'd be a great idea to have a radio show and interview people from, from our industry, from our profession and from business, sort of extending it a little bit because at that point, I, I believe that procurement and, and supply chain shouldn't just operate in a silo because of the impact it has across the organization. So I started that radio show and uh, uh, PI window on, on, on business became window on the world, did 900 segments there and had some great interviews. You know, you were, you are with me uh, for a period on, 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 on a weekly basis I was. We made updates and that was fun. And, and then that, and that's where I knew you, you were going to be great on, on, on a podcast. Um, but I'll tell you, and, and you just, always the the common focus was is that to say call it like it is to say it to be honest to to take a different perspective from what everybody else was taking i'm not talking kelly about being contrary or or or, or or whatever for the sake of that what i'm really talking about is the ability to say well everybody has a unique view everybody has a perspective that's unique i have one because i came up through this unique track more than forty years ago, uh, so let's talk. Let's talk frankly. Let's look for things that other people aren't talking about or should be talking about, and and that's really how you you, you get to this point.
0: Well, speaking of talking frankly, we actually picked a really interesting topic for today. Uh, we were talking about the mythical talent war, so I want you to start us off. And to your point about being compelling but not contrary. Start us off with the basics. What do you mean when you refer to the talent war?
1: Well, you know, I, I've got to go back to the motivation for this uh, because there's been a lot of up-and-coming uh, podcasters and articles, uh, Ian Campbell McKenna, for example, Procurement in Five Minutes. His background is in hiring and, 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 and recruiting and advising on, on, on procurement talent. And, you know, I kept hearing this, this term, talent war coming up, coming up. And then I remember back in 2007, I wrote an article uh, on the talent war and it was based on a CPO agenda roundtable, which had senior executives from Danon and, 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 and Merrill Lynch and really some global enterprises. And they, they had a discussion on the future of procurement. And one of the lines that, that resonated out of that, and there were many great insights, one of the lines was that, They all agreed, reached a consensus, that one strategic thinker was worth 10 of what they called the -the run-of-the-mill buyer's. And this is kind of interesting because here we are, it's 2007, and we're talking about the talent war. And I, I tweet that. Then I remember a few years later, uh, I, I wrote another article in, in terms of, of of the talent war and and uh, how uh, people were saying, uh, look, you know, we need." I think you were even involved in one discussion of this uh, where it was, I think the title was called uh, Buyers Need Not Apply. I don't oh, know yes. if you remember that. And and we were looking at it and we we're saying, well, wait a second. How come so many CPOs, I mean, how come so many executives are, are dissatisfied with the performance or the ability of their teams? In fact, there was a series of studies that came after that uh, five consecutive years where CPO said, uh, the majority said, we don't believe our teams have the necessary skill sets to help us to achieve our strategic objectives, right? And so, you know, why is this lingering? I mean, you know, it, it, why is this still a problem? And then I, I came across another report and I started to get feedback on this. And one of the interesting points is is was it because the talent wasn't there or was it because the parameters that were set up to judge performance of procurement limited it? Do you know do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. No, it's it's that perspective. We're listening to all of this C-level feedback around concern, and I'd rather have one of these versus ten of those. And we're taking for granted that they are seeing accurately the capabilities of the people that exist within procurement.
1: In other words, you get what you deserve. You get what you what you the parameters you and, and the the rewarding for for procurement so long has seen as an adjunct to finance. It was a functional. I remember your your quote in the book where you said it's where people send somebody when they don't want to be seen again. <laughs> I think that was the the quote. And I mean, most procurement professionals volunteered. And so you, yeah. you look at that and it was basically a transactional performance of getting the best price. And so when they needed and as, they, as, the, as the world began to evolve uh, and, and the requirements and, and the impact of procurement and supply chain started to evolve, of course, they weren't equipped for it because they weren't being recognized. They weren't being rewarded for thinking strategically they were being rewarded for transacting business yeah. and ultimately then and, and follow that i there was there was a, a 2020 or 2019 article i wrote i can't remember the exact year about generation next and it was one of the most popular blog posts i've written on procurement insights it had like 29 30 comments within the first few hours it was posted and i did a profile and interview with uh with one of the generation x people coming up and what they Their background was and they were educated they had degrees they chose procurement rather than fell into it you know and so i look and say well wait a sec why is there still a disconnect then we seem to be getting um, far more interest and traction and interest in our profession why is there why is there a talent war and then i dug a little bit deeper and, you know, if I look at it, there are two seminal points for me that, that stood out. The first is, is that uh, I did a series of, of uh, surveys at, 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 at a major conference and I asked the question, if you had to choose all over again, would you choose procurement as a profession? And more than 50 percent said, no, we would not. Now, that may be surprising in and of itself, but what I noticed about that is, is an equal number of those who said they wouldn't were relatively new to the profession. I mean, we're not talking about somebody getting tired. We're not talking about what some in the industry will call dinosaurs. We're talking about people who chose the profession, gone into it, were young, and after a year or two were saying, no, we we want to do something different. And this leads into the second point, Kelly, where on average, and I mean, you know, job turnover rates are much, uh, much higher than they were when, when I first began all those years ago. In fact, probably back then, if you changed your job more than once, you're considered irresponsible and unreliable. <laughs> Nowadays, you know, we're changing jobs and having side gigs. Uh, are, are, oh, are by no- the month. Well, yeah, absolutely. But the average new hire actually leaves after 18 months so you're wondering why are they leaving like where is the breakdown occurring is it really a people problem is it really just that alone that there isn't talent and so the war for talent when you think about it is a misnomer because you know the talent is there the use of that talent the alignment of that talent with performance measurements that actually have an impact that's where I think a lot of the problem occurs. I don't think there's a lack of talent. I think there's a lack of a, a alignment of objectives with, with with capabilities.
0: And so that's really the myth that we're talking about, that any of the problems that exist around talent, which may all be real, but the myth is that the root cause of those challenges is a shortage of the right kind of capabilities among the people that are currently working in procurement.
1: Is that it? Or, or well, actually, even more so, the bigger issue, uh, Kelly, is that procurement, the vision of procurement and what it does and its impact. Mm -hmm. And this before the pandemic was always the same. It was a transactional, buy the best price you can mindset. It was very much a a functional role. After the pandemic, we all learned that, you know, somebody asked me, well, how would you describe supply chain? And, you know, when I was looking at the during the pandemic, I said, well, do, do you see that person getting groceries delivered? Do you see that person carrying the cell phone? Or the person pumping gas. I mean, that's supply chain at work. There'sn't one part of our everyday life that supply chain and procurement doesn't touch. And the pandemic and, and the crises uh, re- relating from that or coming out from that uh, woke everybody up to to you know just how important it is. So what, what I think happened there is that a lot of organizations when they were looking at value purchasing and all this before the pandemic when it hit they were surprised because they weren't ready for it because they hadn't done the proper setup and alignment of what they need in the way of talent number 1 number 2 and i'm, I'm you know new talent is being taught all of these things in in, in schools in in universities etc uh But what's happening is, is that they're getting starting in companies who revert back to the familiar during a crisis situation of, oh, well, we just got to preserve cash flow. We got to buy smarter. We got to get longer terms from uh, suppliers. And that reversion is what's causing the frustration the talent gap. People are leaving after 18 months. These are not because they're not equipped. They're not being motivated. They're not being engaged the way they had expected to because procurement and supply chain is very dynamic. It is very exciting. And and quite frankly, there isn't one part of our lives that doesn't happen without some point supply chain touching it and that's the whole point so the talent war is actually a misnomer because realistically speaking the skills are there in in the up-and-coming generation uh in the previous generation who's still performing and you know i i i, I take the the, the the term dinosaur with a grain of salt because number one i'm old enough to be a dinosaur <laughs> number two and this is the key is that a lot of those dinosaurs aren't dinosaurs by choice. Organizations, for example, with training and investing for the years leading up to the pandemic had been cutting back their budget on education. It's it, it, it what What's happened is is there's no talent shortage. There's a shortage of, of, of vision within organizations as to what uh, procurement and supply chain can do. And then realizing that vision, aligning it with the right people. Do you see mm. what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely, I do. And it's so funny because... You can see the same sort of thing on the other side of the business. It would be like if sales, whether it's B2B or B2C, had this amazing program for new customer acquisition, but they had zero plan for customer retention. Yeah. So even within procurement, we looked and we said, okay, we have to try to inspire Clever, hardworking, interesting, new people from all different kinds of backgrounds to come and join our ranks and be in procurement. And then once we got them here, we're like, check, job is done. Whereas, and it's so interesting because in the past, you you would reference the the quote about sending people away. Credit where credit is due. Uh, that's Charles Dominic. Um, Mm -hmm. he's another mutual friend from way back in the day. He actually compared procurement to the Island of Misfit Toys from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's where you send employees when you never want to see them again. So we finally lured some cool kids to come join us in this place that we knew was awesome and interesting and great for your career. But once we got them to join us, it's almost like we didn't have a plan B. We didn't have a way to help the profession seem sticky and keep them once they had joined us.
1: Well, that's right. The mindset hadn't changed. I remember right. speaking at so many webinars and conferences and, and talking about this uh, and, and things like this and, and people coming afterwards saying, I'm really motivated. I'm really pumped up. And then they'd say, but on Monday morning, I go back to the office and I got to deal with the same thinking. Yeah, uh, that I've been dealing with all along. That 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 procurement isn't strategic. Procurement uh, is again a, a, an adjunct of finance, or it's a function. Uh, and 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 I, you know, I oftentimes people ask, that, well, what should I do if, if you know I'm motivated, I'm buying in what you're saying. What should I do if my company does? not And they'd say, what should I do? I'd say, well, maybe you should look for another company to work with. <laughs> look for one who is innovative, because yeah. supply chain is the new battleground. It is the it is 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 strategic. I mean, I think there's areas that we have to look at and say maybe we should have uh, procurement uh, departments be set up as profit centers. Uh, some organizations I, I interviewed, a senior VP, uh, they actually broke off of the procurement team into a separate almost like an outsourced company within it like it's it has its own balance sheet own ledger etc to support their infrastructure which was an infrastructure of distribution warehouses and franchises, et cetera. And I I thought about it. I said, you see, now these people are working on a profit center standpoint. They understand the cost and the value and what it brings in. And I think that's really, you know, we've got to start thinking of of procurement in that light. It it, it isn't just a function. And I think there's still too many companies that look at it and hire based upon that checkbox.
0: Now, do you have any advice? I mean, we certainly talked about this poor person that ends up in a place where procurement is not respected or valued, and you say, "Eh, maybe now it's time to shop around for a new position. But if you're someone, especially someone with hiring responsibility in a procurement team, and you've either done a good job of bringing new talent into the group, or maybe you're starting to notice people departing that you would want to keep what advice do you have within, for proc- within procurement to make sure everyone sees the potential of sticking around for what's next?
1: Well, I think what they have to do, it, it starts off is, is, and this is the key when looking for a job. I'm going to put some of the onus on the people who are looking to hire and those who are looking to be hired. How many people go into an interview and actually do research on the company for whom they're working or would like to work? How many of them ask the interviewer as many questions as the interviewer asks them? Uh, I think where it has to start is the tough questions have to start coming from the talent that's being interviewed, that you have to say, look, this is what I see. This is what I believe, et cetera. How does this line up with your view of procurement or supply chain? And then if it doesn't, having the courage to say, I'm going to keep looking, because ultimately what will happen is, is and I, I know the reality, people need jobs, you've got, obviously, uh, you know, you can't sit around waiting for the perfect opportunity. But I think there's not enough critiquing. In, in terms of the companies that are looking to hire beyond the the the, the perfunctory, well, here's our values, here's who we are, and we may be a known brand. You know, there, there has to be something more there. And I think when you're looking for a job, when you're looking and you've invested in your procurement education, I think you have to scrutinize the organization that is interviewing you as much, if not more, than they are you.
0: And I think that's one of the things that, more people should go into interviews prepared with. Yes, I want to be ready. I have good answers in my head. I'm prepared to explain what I've been doing for the last number of years so that I sound like an attractive candidate. But I do think that critical thought, what are my concerns or questions about this company? Those interviews really and truly should be two-way.
1: Absolutely. And you know, one of the things I learned a long, long time ago, and, and as you know, Kelly, I mean, I built up a company, I sold it, I've I've, I've been uh, an executive with a publicly traded company, etc. And one of the things that I always respected is when somebody challenged me, and when I say challenged me, uh, again, not to be contentious, but saying, well, why do you think that way? Uh, I mm-hmm. had respect for that. Because, you know, th- at the end of the day, You want to get it right versus being right. You want to get the right people in there. And maybe there are things that can change and get better. And you have to leave yourself open. So the hiring company, the hierarchy has to look at this and say, okay, who do we really want? Do we want people who are just going to, again, follow orders in the checkbox? High turnover. We're not getting our traction that we should. Or do we want people who are going to come in and actually make it better? And are we going to be comfortable with that? And I think that's really the whole key of, 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 of the, that's the real war. The war exists not as a matter of talent, but between a potential uh, candidate and, and the company looking to hire. Are you confronting each other in a positive manner that you get to get and understand that there's a fit of values in what you want to do? You know, and that's the key.
0: Absolutely. Now, John, this is going to be interesting And people that have listened to this podcast before know where we're going next, but I just want to remind everybody, I never know what answer somebody is going to give when I ask this next question. So here's the tradition, John. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you two questions. You can answer either one, and there is no such thing as a wrong answer. So let me give you the two questions. The first one is, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? And the second is, in your opinion, what does heroism look like in a business context?
1: Wow, those are great questions. I hope there's some major appliances at the end as prizes. Anyway, <laughs> um, if, no, if no, you, this is
0: a podcast. This is not The Price is Right.
1: Okay, right. Okay. <laughs> um, if you if you look at it, uh, I'll start with the second question: the sourcing hero. I mean, the sourcing hero has to be somebody who challenges the norm. Again, not for the sake of challenging it, but because they think there's something better. They want to do something. And it's not easy. In many ways, I can remember early days of feeling like you're a lone voice in the woods and, you know, no one's listening to you. And you're listening for that echo and it isn't coming back. And you go through those periods of that. But when you when you, when you look at it, a sourcing hero is someone who is, is 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 willing to uh, get it right versus being right, is willing to stand up for what they know will get it right, uh, even if it isn't popular. And, I mean, those are old rules, you know. You know what, what's always popular isn't right, and what's right isn't always popular. But those are the intrinsic values. You have to be able to say, look, I believe that this is the way we should be going. I think what we're doing now isn't going to work this is the way we should be going it's not personal against anyone and I think that's very important you know it's it's not it, 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 we, we can have disagreement we don't need, need need people agreeing we can have disagreement but it can be respectful but you know we don't have to agree we can we can sit there and say look this is why I think. Without a personal attack, this is what I think we're doing is wrong, and why we have to change. And then sticking to their guns and being able to being being able to just basically uh, stand firm. That's a sourcing hero. That's a hero of any kind. Uh, so to me, that 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 would be uh, that would be my definition of a sourcing hero. Now the first question. You asked. And 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 what was that again? Just give it to me. I'm old and I seem to forget things.
0: <laughs> the other one is, what does heroism look like in a business context?
1: Uh, I, and I think it just builds on that. Thanks, mm-hmm. Kelly. I think heroism is, again, the ability to say what needs to be said. There's an old saying or the, the, the old story. Are you willing to say that the emperor has no clothes? Oh, yes. And that's really what it comes down to, is, is, is you have to be able to call it like it is. Look, I'll, I'll digress a little bit on the side here. You know, going back in the early days, ERP software, the struggles procurement had with success in that. It was very limited success overall. And then the, 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 the on-demand and, and SaaS model started to emerge. And one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest obstacles that that, 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 that CPOs and, and executives had to overcome within their company was explaining why they had been spending millions of dollars on technology that wasn't delivering results, when they could be dealing with these new SaaS pay-on-demands by-the-drink, as some call them, solutions that could be up and running within what weeks some days, and delivering some value for a fraction of the price. Do you want to go up in front of your board and say, well, for the last three years we've been spending this and it hasn't been uh, panning out, but oh, over here we can now do this. How many people hesitated and looked at these new emerging solutions the technologies that are now defining our industry and looked at it and said oh well they're bolt on applications how many how you know i remember a report uh, back in 2000 by the uh, s i i a software uh, association where they said the the the, the overarching erp solutions uh, and these customized uh, solutions Uh, have a a shelf life. And the emerging technology, uh, the software as a service, and we knew about this going back to 2000, 2001, is going to be the model that's going to replace it. And uh, so people were looking at it and they were saying, yeah, but what do we do with the investment we've made? So in that context, the real heroes there were the people who who stepped out and said, look, we know this major multi-million dollars of investment isn't working. We're going to invest in this new software. Now, there's other problems here because software alone won't solve many of the issues. And that's a discussion, Kelly, for another interview. But the reality is, is they were courageous enough to say this isn't working. We've spent a lot of money, but let's let's not throw good money after bad. Let's admit it and let's fix it.
0: And that does take courage and that does take people willing to speak up. Um, and hopefully some of the people listening in will feel inspired not only by the examples that you've given, but by our exchange. John, if people are just meeting you today, I'm lucky to have known you forever, but if people are just meeting you today, what would you suggest is the best way for them to get in touch?
1: Well, there's two ways. And, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. If you enter in Google uh, Procurement Insights... Because they've been around so long, I'm usually up in two or three places on the first page. Uh, other than that, if, if you want to get into LinkedIn, uh, John W. Hansen, uh, I'm, I'm there. I'm in the conversations, and I'm always welcoming new people coming on board to engage in conversation. Just one caution I would give, Kelly, is expect to be tagged, because if you're following me for a reason, then I want value, <laughs> and I'm going to tag you in these things and I'm going to want your opinions heard. I, I want a dialogue, a community of dialogue. So that's the only, that's the only uh, warning I would give.
0: Well, everybody is fair warned then, but the discussions are always worth being a part of. John, thank you so much for being with me today to share your point of view.
1: Great. Let's not wait so long. We should do it again soon.
0: Agreed. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.